You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Before we get to the story, today's narrator, Jimmy Ferrer, is going to tell us which charity he's chosen to support. Hi there. My name's Jimmy Ferrer, and for my donation, I'm choosing the American Civil Liberties Union, or the ACLU. The ACLU is an organization that works hard to fight for civil liberties. As a Latino who grew up in the South, I experienced hardships based on nothing more than my appearance. Additionally, through my life, I've had POC friends and family members talk about two things together how they feel neglected by the government, and how their vote doesn't matter. I feel that it's critically important to respect the sanctity of all Americans' rights to vote. Voter suppression efforts are stronger than ever, and the ACLU is pushing even harder to fight those efforts. They fight just as hard for LGBTQ rights, racial justice, women's rights, criminal justice reform, and so much more. I love my fellow man and want the best for all of us. So that's why I feel I need to give to the ACLU, in hopes that one day we'll all prosper together. Thanks, Jimmy. $100 has been donated to the ACLU. If you'd like to find out more about how you can donate, please visit aclu.org. No. This is Creepy. A podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents, what if the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that the Bible was the word of God? Written by Keep It Realish, narrated by Jimmy Ferrer, and produced by Steve Blizzon. The clock on my dash reads 4.30 a.m. The darkness outside of my headlights is so thick that I can't see anything to the left or right of me. There isn't a star in the sky, and the moon is eerily absent. The phone call I've received last night assured me, though, that the church in Haven's Creek is nice, and the congregation was wonderful. I wanted to get there early, get a lay of the land, and put my own little flair to the place. I'd been driving for some time, when I finally came upon my turn for the church. I pulled into the parking lot, and what my high beams fell on took my breath away. A large, beautiful white church with long columns, a bright red double door, and 
and beautifully stained glass windows with depictions of our Lord and Savior. I stepped out of the car, turning off the headlights and night was heavy again. Outside of the interior lights of the church and the solar-powered lights lining the path of the door, I could see nothing. I'll admit I felt a bit unsettled, but my mentor, Father Reynard, had me come here as a guest pastor, and I was not going to let him down. I made my way up the stairs and into the church. The inside was even more glorious than the outside. Fifty yards of pews lying down both sides and a gold-lined red carpet from the door to the pulpit. Getting the full view of the stained glass, I see our Lord and Savior, the cross, our Virgin Mary, cherubs with wings, and angels just up above. Just being inside this place filled my heart with love. I made my way down to the gold-lined carpet and to the first pew. I took a seat to relax and just take it all in. Directly next to me was a book I'd come to know very well over my 40 years in life, the Bible. I picked up the very pristine book and sat it in my lap, with my hands folded, resting on top of it and took a breath. At this point I was just trying to take it all in, when I heard the front door open. The person's feet sounded hard off the floor with each step, which was strange as seeing the way up was thickly carpeted. Each step drew nearer and nearer to me until finally a man came into view. He was extremely handsome and well-dressed, a black suit jacket and pants with a red vest, and a black tie with red lacy inlays. The man had long blonde hair pulled back out of his face and an air of authority about him that I just couldn't place. The man walked past me and removed a chair from the rack and walked back towards me. He sat the chair directly in front of me, sat down, and crossed one leg over the other. We both stared at each other in silence for a short time, and just as I was about to speak up, he said, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. His voice rolled out like honey, sweet yet sinister. I stared back at him. This isn't usually how we do things at my church, I thought to myself. But I am a guest in this house, so I won't push. What is your name, my child? I asked the man sitting in front of me. He cocked his head to the side and smiled. You can call me Sam. Bob. He held out the words, so I knew it was a question. Ah, I replied. Salazar. Father Marcelo Salazar. He gave a slight smile, and his bright blue eyes shone vibrantly. It is very nice to meet you, Father Salazar. As I said before, my name is Sam and it would be greatly appreciated if you could assist me. I have sinned, and I fear I may wind up in hell. I shook my head softly. Oh, my child, do not worry. Our Father is a forgiving God, 
Please tell me of your burdens so I may absolve you of your sins. Sam adjusted in his seat and then uncrossed his legs and crossed them the other way. I drink to excess and then judge others in the church when they admit to doing the same. I nodded. Well, my child, I said. Sam quickly cut me off and then continued. When I was married, I would have my wife stay at her mother's when she was on her period. I looked at him as I tried to assure him that the Bible speaks of it, being a time of uncleanliness. Sam quickly cut me off again. I sent my son off to a conversion camp when he came out as a homosexual. I didn't respond this time, and he continued. I raised my hand to my wife. If she tried to leave the house in anything other than modest clothing, I wanted my wife to be modest, but I also received less than modest photographs from my 19-year-old babysitter, Brittany. My eyes widened and I stood up from the pew I was sitting in. I stepped around to the side and began to back away down the aisle towards the door. His soft look hardened in an instant. His bright blue eyes went from soft to dangerous. What's wrong, father? He spat at me. You look awful. This man was speaking my life back to me. Who are you? And what do you want? My hands and voice were both shaking and I was backing up steadily. Sam was just staring at me. We were far enough apart that if I turned for the door, I should be right there. I turned to look over my shoulder at the door, and when I turned back, I was in the front of the church again, face to face with Sam. My eyes widened. What? What is this? What is going on? I look around and up at the ceiling, all of the stained glass depictions were staring at me, and they looked angry. What does it look like, Father? Sam said. You're being judged. I looked around frantically. Judged? Are you God? I heard Sam scoff. God, he laughed. You believe a man who led a life such as yours would be judged by my father? I raised my head up and stared at him. Your father? I was confused. I ran through my knowledge of scripture as fast as I could and it came to me. And I looked deep into his eyes and said the only thing I could think of. Samael. The man's smile, big toothy grin. I stared in horror. I'm dead. Sam winked at me. I applaud you, Marcelo. It takes most of you so much longer to come to that conclusion. Wait, this can't be, I stammered. The devil himself? Lucifer? I may not have been the greatest man during life, but I followed the Bible as close as I could. I kept my wife in modest clothing, sent her away during the time on cleanliness, and tried to have my son reborn in the eyes of the Lord. I did falter in my marriage, a bit. But how has that earned me an audience with the devil? 
Sam let out a long and deep laugh. You know, my dear priest, he said. Some say the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. But I assure you, I have done no such thing. The greatest trick I've ever pulled, dear priest, is convincing the world that the Bible is the word of God. I stared at him, mouth agape, my mind running overtime. What do you mean, Sam? I fell on the verge of tears. I mean, I wrote that book that you people flock to. You see, my dear priest, many, many, many years ago, my father created humanity. He loved you with all his heart and swore that humanity would be perfect. I assured him that no creature with free will would ever be so. He assured me of the contrary. And for the first time in his long life, the devil struck a deal with none other than God himself. I told him I would add but one thing to this world that would prove the downfall of humanity. And if they proved unfit, he would see me as his right hand. He assured me that it wasn't possible. That humanity was pure and perfect. Now, that book has existed in many forms, depending on who holds it. But I wrote them all. I never appeared to Adam and Eve as a snake, but a book bound in snakeskin did. I told them of the beauty that lay outside, the glory, the happiness. It spoke of just eating that fruit and experiencing it all. Then, as the first bite was taken, I had one. My father was furious. My brother was bloodthirsty. So began a war in heaven, and my fall from grace. I stared at this man, this being, as he turned everything I thought I knew upside down. Sam began again. Do you not stop and think as to why your loving, malevolent God would have bears turned into children? <laughs> Why he'd destroy cities full of people in a holy fire or flood the world committing genocide. I stared at him. Because, I said, God's wrath is terrible, but his love is infinite. It was for the greater good of humanity so we could be reborn. Sam spoke up. Ah, uh, no, not quite. Just a little smoke and mirrors in my end. Put the fear of God 
in humanity, you know? Sam tilted his head back and laughed again. <laughs> you people use this book to mask your bigotry and hate. Not knowing that one day, your undying human soul will land right here on my doorstep. Since humanity's initial birth, I haven't persuaded a single soul to do anything. I haven't had to. That whole, the devil made me do it. Your shit. The things I wrote made it normal for people to just hear voices about murdering their children. Oh, it's just God's will. No. Nope. Hi. Sorry again. That's mental illness. Sam looked at me, serious, and spoke again. Do you believe that God made mistakes? I stood and faced him, headstrong in my conviction. No, I do not, I said, my voice no longer shaking. He stepped forward, almost nose to nose. Then why is it, my dear priest, that you tried to change one of God's creations because it did not fit your narrative? I took an involuntary step back as he continued. I wrote that book with the idea in mind that hypocrisy would surge. It's laden with enough truth and love to lead the stupid astray. My father loves all life, all things, no matter color or gender. The part about stoning those that lay with the same sex, all me. You hypocrites line my doorstep like lambs to slaughter. That love you feel well up inside you when you tell someone they will burn in hell for who they love. Or for loving their life not according to your broken vision of an almighty God. It is not love at all. But your soul's acceptance of your truly wicked nature. I clutched the Bible to my chest and shook my head. No. You are the father of lies. None of this is true. Sam smiled again. Is that what you believe, my dear priest? If so, have a look at the book you have so coveted all your life. I pulled the Bible away from my chest and looked down at it. A snakeskin cover with a six-winged angel emblazoned on the cover. Sam seemed to stare into my soul. This, my dear priest, is the book that Eve held in her hands when she decided to take that first bite. I opened the book to a language I'd never seen before. Sam looked at me quizzically and turned his head to the side. Ah, he said. My apologies. You can't read Nochian. He waved his hand and the book glowed white hot. I dropped it immediately and took another step back. I couldn't understand this. 
If what he was saying was true, my entire life had been a lie. But wait, hold on. What about before the birth of Jesus Christ? Before Christianity? I stammered. Ah, oh, you'll find my handiwork in the hieroglyphics, in the halls of ancient Rome, or the diary of Julius Caesar. I had heard enough. I couldn't take any more. Tears openly fell down my cheeks. Now for my questions, my dear priest. How does it feel knowing that I robbed you of all the earthly desire, only to have your soul remain in hell for eternity? And I couldn't answer him. I couldn't even form clear sentences in my head. How does it feel knowing that your wife you detested so much took your son, denounced your wicked ways, and will both thrive for eternity in my father's kingdom? <laughs> I felt his hand touched my shoulder and it burned like nothing I ever felt before. I screamed out in agony. As for my final question, this one won't be directed at you, my dear priest, but for a little eavesdropper here. So tell me, my dear listener, when was the last time you went to church? For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of horror queers genre commentary from the lgbtq perspective scp archives the boo crew listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. 
Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.